Before we go to God's word, let's pray. Father, we come here this morning, and we've come with many mixed motivations. Sometimes we come to to please our parents or because we feel like it'd be good for our kids. Sometimes we come out of duty or out of habit. Sometimes we come because it's just, just something to do. But deep down, Father, we come because we want to hear from you. Deep down, we come here because we want and we need guidance and hope and transformation. And Lord, we pray that you do guide us, that you do renew us in our hope, that you do transform us. We pray that this morning you bring us into your story, into the story that we find in your word in the Bible, and help us to see how we fit in that story and how we can become, how we can be the people you have called us to be. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're picking up a sermon series that we're working through on and off this fall. It focuses on the books of Genesis and Exodus, and through this series, we're asking the question, who are we? What is our identity as God's people? Today, we're going to reflect on who we are as God's called people. And our reading this morning will be from Genesis chapter 12, from verse 1 to verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out, then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. This is God's word for us this morning. We'll unpack God's call to his people in this text in three parts this morning. We'll talk about from, with, and to. And first, we're called from. We are God's people called from. At this section of Genesis 12 that we read this morning, we come to a significant transition point in the Bible. In Genesis 1 through 11, the focus has been on all of humanity, beginning with the creation of humans and then the story of all of humanity. And then here in Genesis 12, the focus narrows way, way down to Abraham and to his family. 
This is a text where God first calls his people out of the rest of humanity to be his specific people. And Genesis 12.1 has an emphasis that doesn't come through very well in translations, and it, it'd be hard to do it without having it sound awkward in English. But when we heard in verse 1 that it says that Lord, the Lord says to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, the way we probably should hear that is go from your country, go from your people, go from your father's household. In the original language, that word from is there three times. And that triple from, go from, go from, go from, is pounding home to Abraham that he has been called to go out. God's call on his life means that he needs to leave. He needs to hear God's call to go from, to go out to leave everything behind, and to go. Many of you know this already. You may even be tired of me talking about it, but I spent several years in Nigeria and West Africa, and we lived in a very, very remote area there. I mean, picture Africa a few hundred years ago, and that's where we are, a really remote, undeveloped setting. People live in mud huts. The men go out and they farm by hand. The women do all their cooking over wood fires, and they haul water from the river or from wells. The children spend all their time herding the cows and the goats. And most people there still follow a traditional religion. They worship the ancestors. They, they um, give offerings to the local gods. They make sacrifices to bring rain, things like that. But a number of years ago, there started to be a flood of people, of converts out of that traditional religion into Christianity. And while we were there, I taught at a Bible school for for men who had converted to Christianity and who were being trained so that they could go back to their villages and lead these little churches that were sprouting up all over, or so they could be posted as evangelists to new places, to villages, to people who had expressed a willingness to hear more about the gospel. And just a little ways away from that Bible school campus, maybe a hundred yards or so, there was this tiny little village. And basically, it was just one extended family. The grandfather, I think Gata was his name, had settled there, and then his grown adult sons and some of his nephews had kind of come and settled there. So there was this little village of extended family there. And one of, one of the sons, a grown man, but one of the sons of the grandfather of the patriarch, he had become interested in Christianity. The old religion with its sacrifices and its rituals seemed like a burden. The old gods didn't seem like they had any answers anymore. And, and Christianity had this, this amazing story. You see, the traditional gods, the local gods, all they did was demand things of people and punish them if they didn't get what they wanted. Power was what the gods had and how they interacted with people. But then you hear this Christian story, and there's this all-powerful, mighty God way up there beyond what we could ever aspire to. And this God in Jesus comes down. And instead of just acting out in power, he acts in love. Instead of demanding endless sacrifices, he himself becomes the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. This good news, this gospel, this call away from the old ways to follow Jesus is tremendously attractive to this man called Nuhu. But he has a problem. 
is a problem. If he becomes a Christian, he will have to give up everything. If he becomes a Christian, he will lose his farm. If he becomes a Christian, he will lose the support of his extended family. If he becomes a Christian, his village will chase him away. But still, Nuhu chooses to follow God's call. And when he makes that choice, he makes a very clear choice to go from to go from his people, to go from his father's household, and to go to where the Lord calls him. And when he makes that choice, he pays a real price. When Nuhu's father, the patriarch, the leader of this little village, hears that Nuhu has become a Christian, he summons Nuhu in front of them. And there with the family gathered, he looks at his son, his son, and he says, you have spoiled, you are rotten. You are dead to me and dead to us. Get out. And in that traditional society where where your community is what made you able to survive, to have a father, to have a leader in the community lay that kind of message on his son was about the worst curse you can imagine. It's a sign that Nuhu has been rejected completely, and it's also a sign that he had better literally get out, because if he and his family stay in that village, they are in danger. They will face continual ridicule and abuse and probably physical harm. And so Nuhu and his family run away because they chose to follow Jesus. In the passage that we read for that morning, that triple from that I mentioned earlier, God's call sometimes requires that kind of leaving. Sometimes God's call to go from comes to us and it tells us, leave everything behind. Get out of here. Change everything about your life. God may call us. He may have called some of us here today to leave behind almost everything and to run to Him. That's a call that God does place on His people's lives sometimes. But I think for most of us, we haven't heard that exact kind of call. For most of us, the call hasn't been that dramatic. We haven't ever had to run away from home in order to run to Jesus. And that is a comfort, but maybe it makes us too comfortable. Here where it's easy to follow Jesus, it's easy for us to hit the mute button on that call to go from and to go from and to go from. We become complacent. We drift along. We do enough to get by spiritually, but we don't really live with an intense focus on Jesus. And that can make our lives so much less than they could be. I'm not standing up here today telling you, go from, to to lay another burden on you. I'm telling you that is an invitation to a deeper life. This call is a call for us to lay aside the trivial things that so often consume us. We're called by this passage to seek greater treasures, to seek things that are greater than just comfort and complacency for today. God calls us to be deeper people, to live more meaningful lives. We are God's called people, called to go from what is trivial to what is eternal.
Don't let it happen to you that you get to the end of your life and you realize you never really went anywhere. Don't let it happen to you that, that you get to the end and you realize that all you ever invested in was really nothing at all. Hear. Listen. Receive God's call to go from what's easy to what really matters. But don't do that on your own. We as people are built to be in community with others. We are built to belong. And so if we're really going to heed this call to go from, we need a community to go with. When God calls us to go from, He also calls us to go with. We are God's called people, called with each other. Verse 4 of Genesis 12 says that Abram went out as the Lord had told him. And then his nephew Lot goes with him. And his wife Sarai also goes with him. And then all the possessions that they had acquired, they take along. And then all the people who belong to the household of Abram go with them too. Abram goes out following God's call, but he goes with a whole group of people. He leaves his father's household. He leaves his nation. He leaves, he leaves the place where he belongs. But he goes out with a group of people. And these certainly are not perfect people. Lot later in Genesis ends up taking the best grazing land away from Abram. He gets associated with all kinds of unpleasant people who get him into all kinds of trouble. And I'm not even going to go into today all the trouble that Lot gets up to. But he is He is trouble. And Sarai, Abram's wife, when God comes to them and he promises them children, Sarai laughs. She laughs at God. And Abram himself gets up to all kinds of schemes to to kind of help God along instead of waiting on God to do his work. These These are far from perfect people. But they are the people that God has called to follow him and that he has called to follow him together. Earlier, we left Nuhu and his family fleeing from their village. And when the Bible school students, when these men and their wives and families who were preparing to do ministry, when they heard about this, they went out and they found Nuhu and his family and they brought them to the Bible school. And they built them a new house right on the Bible school campus. And when Nuhu and his family didn't have enough food, these Bible school students shared their food with him, even though they usually had hardly enough to feed their own families. And somehow, even though we didn't have enough land for our own students, somehow they found a place for Nuhu to have a farm the next year. And when one of his sons got really, really sick and had a lot of medical bills, some of the students came together, and instead of paying their tuition, they went and they paid off the medical bills for this family because Nuhu had become their brother in Christ, because he belonged because he was there with them. People there had this saying, we are here and we are together. We are here and we are together. And sometimes they just say that if you said thank you for carrying a big load or something, oh, no problem, we're here, we're together. But that went all the way down. That went to the very depths of their being when they would say to a fellow Christian, we are here and we are together. It said they were with each other. 
They belonged to each other, even if that meant making sacrifices for each other. This morning, if we belong to Jesus Christ, we are here and we are together with all of God's people. God has called us to go from, and He said He will go with us Himself, and He has given us a people to go with. And none of us are perfect people. We're all messed up. Some of us are a little hard to get along with, but these are the people God has called us to be together with. And so when someone's in the hospital, people visit them. When someone's not doing real well, they get stacks of cards. And I've seen some stacks of cards from people from this church that, man, there are a lot of cards there. When someone's on the edge, we try to help out. We try to get them connected. For a lot of us who've moved here from another part of the country, faith becomes kind of like an extended family. We watch each other's kids. We keep an eye on each other. And sometimes as a church, we just hurt with each other because that's That's all we can do sometimes. Now, in one way, when I say those things, I'm giving a description of who we are. And if that's been your experience of this church of faith, then then be grateful for that and pass it on. Keep the community going. Make, Make sacrifices for other people. Help each other out. Let's really be here and be together. And along with having that be a description of our church, it's also maybe a vision for our church because we don't do this perfectly. And if your experience of this church has been less than perfect, and everyone's has been in one way or another, right? But if your experience of this church hasn't quite matched up to that vision of being here and being together, then let me invite you to be part of moving us toward that vision. Engage. Help other people out. Share your own needs. Be vulnerable. Invest in this community so that we together can be who we are called to be. This togetherness is a gift from God to us, and it's also a call. It's a call for us to live according to who God has called us to be. And one of the realities of this call is that We never get to the end of it. We are God's people, called from, called with, and called to. And our reading from Genesis ends with Abraham still on the way to. The Lord calls Abram to go out. He equips him with this group of people to go with. And he makes some promises to Abram that he'll make his name great, that there will be a whole nation that will come from him, that he'll bless all the nations of the earth. The Lord gives Abram this great vision of where he's headed. But Abram never gets there. He never gets there. Verse 5 tells us that Abram and his family arrived in the promised land. But then verse 6 tells us that the Canaanites were in the land. And what's that saying? What the subtext there is, and the land belonged to the Canaanites. And then when they're there, the Lord appears to Abram, and he promises someday that this land will belong to his descendants. But that day is not not the day that the Lord is speaking to Abram. And our text ends with Abram again setting out and continuing on the journey. 
After he receives God's call here in Genesis 12, Abraham spends the rest of his life as a homeless nomad. Hebrews 11, when it looks back to Abraham, gives us a nice phrase that Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And he lived in tents. And so did his children and his grandchildren. Abraham had this great promise, this vision of this place where he was headed. But God didn't ever quite bring him there in this life. That's part of the story of being God's called people. We are always on the way to. For the rest of his life, Nuhu will be a stranger in his own land. After he'd been a Christian for a few years, his family kind of got used to it, and he was welcome to come back to the village to visit, and they'd help him out on the farm a little bit, and they'd be, they'd be civil. But it was always clear that there was a wall there and that he was on the outside. And when things got really serious for the family, Nuhu did not belong. He was not really there with them. Even when Nuhu goes home, he's not really home anymore. And Nuhu doesn't really want to go back. He's been called out from all those old ways. He's found a Savior. He's found Jesus Christ. And he's found a new community that goes deeper and wider than his family. He has a new hope that won't disappoint He knows where he belongs, and he knows where he's going. And actually, Nuhu was not not Nuhu's original name. His father had always called him Tamba. But when Nuhu converted to Christianity, as most of the people there did, he picked a new name for himself. Most of them picked biblical names, and Nuhu picked the name Noah. Nuhu is that language's word for Noah. And Noah was someone who was delivered by God from destruction. Nuhu was someone, or Noah was someone who was brought out, who was called to something more, who who was delivered through the flood and through trouble, and who God kept safe. And when Nuhu became a Christian, that was what he wanted his identity to be. Someone who God had delivered. Someone who belonged to God. And that's part of our identity as believers. We are people who belong to the Lord who has delivered us. We are called to follow and to stay on this journey with a Lord who loves us and who brought us out and who brings us into his presence. Jesus himself came down to us from heaven. Jesus emptied himself of privilege and power and came down to be with us. Jesus opened himself up to ridicule and resentment for us. Jesus faced death and destruction for us. Jesus came to deliver us from evil. He came to bring us to be together with God's people. He paid the price so that we could be God's called people with an eternal hope and an eternal inheritance. We are God's called people, called from, with, and to. 
God calls us like Abraham and Nuhu to go out from the ways of the world, to leave things behind in order to follow Him. But then God also calls us to go with each other, to go with His his gathered, His imperfect, His beloved people, and to really be here and be together with the rest of the people God has called on this journey. And in this life, the Lord calls and equips us to continually be on the way too. This is a long journey. There is much suffering and many challenges on the way. But the Lord calls us to keep following Him. And because of His promises, we can trust that He will lead us home. He will lead us to the place where we belong. He will lead us and is leading us even now into deeper life into a hope that does not disappoint, into the place that we all really, really want to be. Hear, listen, accept, follow God's call this morning. Let's pray. Father, often it's hard for us to really hear and to really follow your call. This sounds like something that's so hard. And it's so much easier to follow other calls, to be comfortable, to be complacent, to to drift through life and to just make it through. Lord, we pray that you work in us. Work in us so that we hear this call not as a burden but as a blessing. Work in us so that we really understand the new identity that you give us and how that transforms everything. Father, give us the courage and the power we need to go from other things. Give us the love and the humility that we need to really journey with each other. And Father, we pray that you bring each of us into your presence. Bring us home to be with you forever. Amen.